It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bose Nerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Welcome to your Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Here we are, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to be part. Of the program, all you have to do is dial 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. This is the weekend that many people dread. Why? Because tomorrow you're supposed to, um, before you go to bed, turn your clock up an hour. And I got a bunch of stories here about daylight savings time. Some people just wish it would go away. Some people are still arguing all these years later about the reason that existed in the first place. Yeah, we'll deal with that. Derek Hunter, we expect, will join us in the next few minutes. Derek lost his dad last week. That's okay. We, we, I know we, we're going to go through the first break. We'll see whether Derek can join us or not. But we know for sure later in the program, America's small caffeinated mom will join us. We also are expecting to have a great guest coming up for you in the next hour. He is a conductor extraordinaire. Patrick Burns. So... That with your telephone calls and, of course, the morning dance. Now, Diego is not here today. Diego was supposed to lead the morning dance this week, but Diego is in parts elsewhere. So we have moved up the rotation. And Scott now will lead. Uh, Is that fair, though, to the person filling in for Diego? Because if he's not here next week, then he wouldn't have his opportunity. You're trying to get out of it, aren't you? I mean, he wouldn't have his opportunity to be able to um, lead the dance. You know, you raised an interesting point, though. Christian's filling in. Uh, Christian, uh, you might have to, depending, we're going to have a judicial ruling over this. You might have to lead the morning dance today. What does that entail? We could ask Avery as well. I can't hear you. You know, you actually have to turn on the mic or put on something so I can actually hear you, so we can hear what you're saying there, Christian. You have to hit the uh, program one button, I believe. Yes. Oh, so. oh, or two for us. I don't know what. Yeah, well, whatever. I'm not sure what we're listening to, but yeah. not, not that. We'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> so we may have a, we, yeah, anyway. So daylight savings time, I would sure like to know from those of you who object to it, why you want it to be gone, those for the, it's going to happen regardless. This is one of those things. It doesn't care whether you like it or not. You're going to move your clock up. Now, Marco Rubio last year tried to uh, enforce legislation that would just say, okay, that's it. We're done. We're going to do this change one more time. And that's it. Some people worry that for New York, for instance, they would see sunrise at 8.20 in the morning sometimes. 
if the change were made permanent. Yeah. I've never understood. I know it was for agricultural, and also, you know, people say they don't want their kids going out uh, to go to get on the school buses while it's still dark and all the rest of that. Good. Well, Derek's going to join us. Derek Hunter is on the line. He's going to join us. I look forward to catching up with Derek. Um, We're going to take a break first, though. We're going to get this break out of the way so we can spend plenty of time with Derek. Let me give you phone numbers again. 800-848-WABC. 800-848-WABC. There are so many. We don't need that right now. We're done with that till the next hour. We use music. We use bumper music. I'll give it to you. Don't worry about it. We'll just go to the commercial break. We have a new engineer in. We're going to work with him, all of us, bring him up to the speed the way we do things here. You're doing a great job, Christian. Yeah, we're going to go to commercial break. Oh, and your mic works, too. We can hear you. Hunter comes back with us. Derek, my man, how are you? I'm doing well. I am indeed working for the weekend and working through the weekend as well. So, you know, no rest for the wicked. How are you? Are you working this weekend, Derek? I have to write a column uh, on every Saturday morning and Sunday Yeah, I know. And for you, that's, I mean, work, really? That's just like... You can write a column like most people can tie their shoes. It's like, okay, whatever. Yeah, so, but a lot of people wear slip-on shoes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> still, I have deadlines, you know. It's not like I'll just roll out of bed at noon. I got cats and kids crawling all over me, and then I got to go and uh, push them all away so I can put uh, 800 words of genius together in a Word document. Do you take your kids... Do you take your kids to play dates? Do you, are you the guy that does that? Um, yes, but not not that I arrange them. Although I do have one friend that I have arranged them with. It's uh, it was mostly an excuse to hang out with him. But my wife arranges them, and I drive. I see. So I, I oftentimes drop them off and go do something and then come back because uh, there's one one of their best wait a minute the you, grandmother you, you, has nothing wants nothing to do with me but she talks my wife's ear off and it's like i've been there they've been over here and i might as well have not been here so i i stopped going to it okay but you do i'm asking you do you do solo daddy duty play dates you know it's like okay it's your turn you're in charge of the play dates and you have to supervise everything well it's not a matter of it's not a chore like that. Like I, I, I actually enjoy it. I don't. I take them to lunch um, uh, occasionally. I take them to dinner or breakfast. This week, my one daughter wanted to be the first customer at this restaurant, this little diner in town. So I got up at six o'clock in the morning for unknown reason. Woke her up, and we got there. They opened at six thirty. We were there at six twenty waiting in the across the street for the doors to open as soon as they were unlocked we were the first customer in and she was wildly excited to be the first customer there 
And, you know, that sort of thing. I take them shopping with me. I take them to the playground just if it's a nice day. I don't I don't go, oh, God, today is not a divorced single dad. It's not my day with the kids or anything like that. It's I like spending time with them. Talk to us about your dad, Derek. I know you lost your dad, and you get and condolences from me and from everybody. Talk to what kind of what kind of guy was your dad, Derek? Um, he was. He, he taught me about work and the importance of being a man, and how to be a man. By example, he never sat me down and said, "You've got to do this." He's a high school dropout, so was my mother. He always had at least two jobs that I remember. My mother was disabled; she couldn't work. We lived in. It was a, I tell you, I don't. I'm not. I'm going to lose it if I talk too long. But okay. I. Um, <laughs> and I'm amazing. sorry. I don't. I don't. I don't mean to put you on the spot. So I look. Look, I Derek. I have been there. So let me just say, if you want to talk about it, let's talk about it. But if you don't, I understand this is too soon. I'd rather not. I wrote about it. For town hall last Sunday, it got over a hundred thousand views and uh, tons of messages and everything. And I recommend anybody check that out, and you'll get a sense. A sense you'll never get to know him, but uh, the sense of him. But it, it was that was a column that took all day to write because he had to take breaks. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I understand that, Derek. Have you been following this January sixth Tucker Carlson? coverage, the coverage of the coverage that Tucker Carlson gave to January 6th? It's one of the few instances, James, where the media is actively coming out against the American public having more information. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. You know, if you, if as a Republican president, you leak something classified that will give away the store to our enemies, they'll go, well, it's news. It's news. It's important. We must. But in this instance, they think that somehow the location of surveillance cameras within the Capitol will put people's lives at risk. I worked in the Capitol. I've crawled through the bowels of the Capitol. The thing about security cameras is you can see security cameras, right? And you can, if given enough time, if you really wanted to crawl around that building, you would find whatever you were looking for. It's not a matter of national security or even security of members of Congress that they were worried about. It was a matter of us knowing what really happened. Now, I will say that Tucker, I love Tucker, but he focused on the the one guy, the guy who dressed like Chewbacca, the guy they called the QAnon shaman, the guy in the horns. And his story, he definitely appears to have been railroaded. I didn't follow his trial daily, so I don't know what uh, the evidence would have been. I know he get a plea deal but it sure looks like he's got some exonerating evidence there in this video but with 44,000 hours given to, I expected a lot more now maybe he's taking his sweet time but I, I want to see more I want to know you know there were people who committed acts of violence somebody allegedly smeared feces in the Capitol and did physical damage to the building I'd like to see that too it can't be all one person's narrative when you've got 44,000 hours. That being said, having little Manu Raju running around and CNN asking questions about, is it right that the American people see this, rather than asking questions about what they saw, is a testament to just how dead journalism is. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned the whole thing with these uh, feces. 
there's an article today. I read it. I didn't print it out uh, this morning. That that came. That claim came from uh, some of Chuck Schumer's people, uh, his staffers, and thus far has not been validated. Maybe. I mean, yeah. Maybe where Chuck Schumer touched the wall. He does seem to be made of of that. No, that's one of the other things is every square inch of that building is under surveillance in one way or another. If it exists, Tucker would have it. If it doesn't exist, Tucker should make that point as well, because that's a lot. Just like Officer Sicknick was beaten in the head with a fire extinguisher is a provable lie. The more lies you can prove, it doesn't have to be the grand scale of beating a police officer in the head with a fire extinguisher. It can be something as simple as, hey, nobody smeared feces all over the walls here. Um, that really exposes just how big of a fraud this whole thing was. Uh, there are, I mean, look, the January 6th committee gave 10,000 lies. They've already sort of, I guess he sort of debunked the Josh Hawley was running away like a, a schoolgirl away from the mob when he was, in fact, being evacuated with different, with every other member of the Senate. And um, they, they just they just isolated him. That is obviously fraud. If it were a criminal case, um, the charges would be dismissed, or the prosecutor would be facing some serious uh, repercussions for that sort of selective editing. But there seems to be there should be with forty four thousand hours of it a hell of a lot more of that, and I want to see more of that. Well, I will mention that Tucker's going to be on this week. I'm going to have Tucker on the show during the week. And um, he's, he's agreed to come on, so hopefully we'll be able to, to speak with Tucker. And I'm going to mention that to him, Derek. Um, and one of the things that Tucker has said, apparently, is that he's surprised that no none of the uh, media outlets are asking him or asking his staff, I guess, to see any of it. It's just like they would they're just ignoring it. And ignoring the story. Megyn Kelly went off on Fox for not supporting Tucker with this by not really promoting it very heavily. And so there's um there's there's that angle of it too. And another story look, I, I think I've spoken with a lot I know a lot of people who work at Fox and who've worked at Fox. And one of the things I've I've said it, it, I, the show I really watch with regularity. The only real news show I watch with regularity is the Brett Bear show, and because it's it's straight news without the opinion. I've got opinions of my own. I don't need them from somebody else. But if you watch the reporting on there, that a lot of times they're reporting on other outlets reporting. They don't have a lot of original reporting. There aren't a lot of. And somebody told me, I said, why don't you use the resources of Fox? You know, you've got a bunch of journalists working there. You could do... And they interrupted me and said, we don't actually have that many journalists who work here, if you think about it. they got like four regional reporters, somebody covering Capitol Hill, somebody covering the White House, and somebody in the Middle East, somebody in Europe, somebody not really even in Asia, the Middle East person usually. They don't have a lot of journalists. CNN, for all its flaws, and you'd think they would get things more right, but around the country they have, and around the world, they have bureaus. They have reporters. NBC News can draw on the resources of NBC News. But Fox hasn't really made the investment in journalists. So you see the reporting, and like, well, the NBC News is reporting, and they'll put a block quote up on the tr- screen and read it. And I always sit there and I think, well, why don't 
why aren't you guys reporting this? Why don't you do your own reporting? And they don't simply don't do the resources. It goes down to, and this is going to get me in trouble. I've, I've criticized Fox regularly because not because I dislike it, although I do in a lot of ways. I want it to be better. But they uh, they have this weird ecosphere. They they refer to their hosts as personalities, which CNN's Brian Stelter, when he was at CNN, used to refer to Fox News personalities. He did it to belittle them. They're not journalists. They're personalities. And now they refer to themselves as all your favorite Fox News personalities. Are you admitting that they're not journalists in prime time, that they're, they're not even close to it? Like, why wouldn't you fight back on that or return fire on that? But they, I don't know, they, they're making billions of dollars, and I'm not, so they seem to know what they're doing. But it, it drives me nuts that they have this wasted – they have this potential. They could talk to newsmakers, and instead you watch any Fox News show, and at least 90 percent of the guests are other Fox News employees. I don't care what one host – one host interviewing another host is not news. It's lazy booking. One host interviewing a contributor is not news. It's lazy booking. And I've been booked. I've been on, I haven't been on in a long time since I started pointing this out, but you get booked a week ahead of time. <laughs> and then they'll, they'll tell you, they'll tell you what the topic is the morning of. Well, you're already booked to go. Here's who you'll be debating. We'll tell you the morning of who you're going to be debating uh, with. And I'm like, well, what if I, what if we agree? What if I don't have any opinions on it? What if I don't know anything about this? No. They'll send you an, uh, an AP story and say, read it, and uh, that's what we're going to talk about. It is not – it's a conversation that if it were happening at the table next to you in a restaurant, you'd ask to move. But because it happens on television under the stamp of news – and this is not just Fox. This is all of us. Because it happens on television under the stamp of news, it is considered news, and the American public are being disserved. Here's a little thought experiment. I'm not going to name any names because I know the people, but watch your shows and just for one week, just take a little notepad and write down who was on in which day. And then the next week, write down who was on and which day and compare and contrast. And you will find that there are Monday guests, Tuesday guests, Wednesday guests, et cetera, et cetera. That's a lot of things none of which is news. Wow, Derek, interesting. Okay, I got. let me bring in some other issues and topics that I would love to hear from you about. This one, I think, Derek, is going to spread around the country in an interesting way. Uh, you, you know the governor of California, Gazem, Gazem Newsom. <laughs> he went and got COVID. I mean, it's better yeah. than that. Expected him to have come across on a vacation to Mexico. So, you so know, get, it was only COVID is a is a step in the right direction, I guess, considering how his first marriage went. Ooh, dig, dig, dig. Well, Gazum, his best friend's wife, who was his chief of staff while married, a, a scumbag. Dig further. Well, Gazum um, is all up with Walgreens. Walgreens has said. You know, these 20 states that prohibit abortion, we're not going to sell the abortion the, the abortion pill there. And Gasm is up in arms. He's now going to boycott 
uh, going to boycott Walgreens. Mm-hmm. I just, now the some of the other big uh, pharmaceutical giants haven't indicated yet whether they're going to either put their companies in legal jeopardy by going against these laws or whether they're going to follow suit with Walgreens. But meanwhile, Gasm is having the cow. We're going to boycott. Well, here's something else surrounding these abortion pills. In Texas, a Texas man has now filed a wrongful death lawsuit against three women who helped his now ex-wife obtain an abortion pill, abortion pills to terminate her pregnancy. Now, the lawsuit, this guy, Marcus Silva, says, number one, she got pregnant, he didn't know about it, then she got the abortion pills, and blah, 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 didn't know it now, and then, of course, the uh, the divorce went through, and he's tracked it. He's, they've tracked down the information from these people that have helped his wife secure the abortion pills, and they are now being sued, these three women, for wrongful death. The wife herself, the ex-wife herself, is not being sued. But these those that help provide the abortion pills are being sued. And one of the things that the lawyers wrote in this, anyone involved in, distri- in, in distributing or manufacturing abortion pills could also be sued into oblivion. That includes CVS, Walgreens, if their abortion pills find their way into um, into the states where it's prohibited. So this is what do you think? This is a new kind of a wrinkle. I was. This is going to be interesting to see how this plays out. It is going to be interesting to see how it plays out. It is a mess, and um, I don't know how it's going to play out. I don't know. Even honestly, what I think about it's delivering a legal substance. It's the outcome that is the crime, not the substance per se, as far as I understand it. It's the act of the abortion, not the medicine itself. If if uh, I gave you marijuana and it was laced with poison or something – I uh, I would be liable because I gave you the poison, but it's the marijuana would be legal in a lot of states. You could have that. I, or if I just gave you marijuana and you had a bad allergic reaction to it, um, I'd be giving you a legal legal substance that would have a bad uh, or you overdosed. Even though you can't really overdose on pot, it's, I'm trying to feel this out, and you, you, I think you see where I'm going with this. It is one of those situations that's such a gray area of law. I like the spirit. I like my first instinct is to like it because it's fighting how the left fights. And this is exactly Ah, what. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so in that sense, I like it. I don't know what, because I'm just reminded of like somebody like Masterpiece Cakes out in Colorado, the guy, they won't leave the guy alone. Right. They keep losing and they just find new way. Okay. Well, then we'll do a trans reveal cake. All right. We'll do that. We had our bodies butchered cake. You got to make me a cake as fast as you can. And realistically, nobody wants to look. If if you hate me, I don't want to eat anything you make me. All right. Thank you. If if I think you hate me or you just, I don't want to give you my business. If you're like, I don't agree with what you're doing. All right. Fine. There you go. It's not like the only bake shop in town, but they keep going at them. 
and trying to find new ways to punish him because they hate the concept of him. Applying that to the right is doesn't happen very often. So in that sense, I applaud it. As far as the rest of it, I'm not sure. I'm not a legal person, but I'm not sure how it shakes out, how you can be sued for giving somebody a product that's ostensibly legal. It's the result of the product that's illegal. Just like the gun is legal, but you can't go and shoot your neighbor because you don't like them. It's you know I don't want to criminalize the gun because it is the action of the gun that was the problem. So it's the action of the ex-wife would technically be the problem, that she's not being sued is bizarre, but I think that's more of a strategic decision, if I had to guess, because then you, you once you get into that, they're saying, see, the woman had an abortion, they're trying to punish her. If you If you avoid that, it's a little more broad in its potential appeal. I don't know. Like, I don't know, but it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. Derek Hunter is with us. This is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Telephone lines are already jamming, so we're going to take some calls, Derek, when we get back on the other side. There are a few other stories. You haven't weighed in on whether you like this daylight savings thing. you got to move your clock up, you know, it's tomorrow. You Nobody has any clocks that need to be moved up anymore, James. Everything is done on... All of my, I do. All my clocks are Apple and watches and, and uh, Alexa things. So uh, I just wake up, the time has changed, and I go, I feel weird. And that's it. <laughs> I still have one. I still have two that have to be, two or three that have to be changed manually. Well, you're but, an um, old man, so that's to be expected. Well, one is a great radio clock. One is, one is I have a radio clock that is, that is, um, one of the music radio WABC clocks that was from the early, early, early days of WABC. And there's a man, you know, this was before anybody knew that there would be, you know, a, a way to do, you know do this how automatically. To time? Yeah, how to it, takes a, it, takes a, it takes a while, too. Okay. But anyway, but I enjoy it, so I keep it. Anyway, Derek, kind of stay right there. We're going to take a break. Coming back, we got more, a lot more news. We haven't even talked about this freaking budget yet. You know, the thing about the budget, though, Derek, it doesn't matter what the president says. It's never going to be. It's never going to pass that way anyway. But at no, least it but gives it's treated seriously by the media. We we got to take a break. We'll we take a break. We'll be right back. Don't go away. back the last guest host a columnist author more importantly my dear friend Derek Hunter is with us Derek if is as everybody loves Derek because he has an unusual sense of humor I don't even know how to describe your sense of humor some people would it's no sometimes it's not but it's 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 edgy sometimes 
And then, you know, some people say you have dry wit. It's not so dry. It's, it's just, it's right out there. Unusual. It's not moist either. Ew. <laughs> so you you you've been you, Derek knows the ways of Washington better than most people ever knows. He's um and one of his early jobs was doing policy, which was pretty amazing. So let's talk about this freaking budget for a minute, Derek. Mm-hmm. You got this budget this proposed, and it's it would put five trillion dollars in new taxes up on the American people, supposedly here we go again with the tax the wealthy, we're going to tax, we're going to soak the rich, we're going to soak the rich. And I, I, when it was the day that, that Biden announced it, I asked the staff, what would you do if you had $100 million and, and if you were a multimillionaire, somebody says, we're going to tax you like crazy. And, and if you don't have $100 million, what would you do when they say, okay, we're going to come after you with more taxes? And everybody was, you know, gave various answers. And and my thought was, if I have a hundred million dollars, and you, the gov- you're the government, and you said I'm going to tax your money like crazy, I'm just going to move. I'm going to get away from you. I'm not going to let you. I'm not going to bend over and grab the ankles, and let you tax me like this for money that you didn't earn and don't deserve, when I'm already paying taxes. Most people don't realize that. Ninety-five percent of all taxes in this country are paid by "quote unquote" the rich, and that there are almost thirty percent of the American public that don't of, of of eligible taxpayers, people that would be eligible, they work, but they don't pay any taxes at all. In some cases, people that don't pay taxes end up getting checks from the government. Well, it's a fundamental misunderstanding of how our government works and how taxes work, James. If you, I've been in that boat. You can't have as many jobs as I've had and be a high-rate taxpayer. When I was younger, I oh, I paid my taxes, and I, I did my taxes, and I got my refund. It's not a refund. It's money I've overpaid. And there was one year when I was 19, I think I qualified for the earned income tax credit. I got like $200 more back than I had put into it. Uh, that is a refundable, advanceable tax credit, which is code for welfare. It means you paid in $1,000, here's your $1,000 back, and then part of this anti-poverty program, we're giving you extra money that you didn't pay back. But the real reason the Democrats and the media and everybody who tries to sort of confuse everybody with what is taxes versus withholding? And you think, oh, I'm getting money back. I'm excited. Like, no, the government took more money. You gave the government an interest-free loan all year, and now you're getting the principal back. Congratulations. Give me your money. I will happily give you the exact same rate of return the government is giving you. But um, the reason it, it it's so confusing is because of the way our system is. If we had one month of zero withholdings. Not to, I'm not just talking about income tax. I'm talking about FICA. I'm talking about Medicare. I'm talking about everything. Then people would understand how much of their money goes to government. But most people think of their check that they deposit as what they've earned in the course of a week. And so it's not. You've got about another third that the government took in, like the mafia. The mafia comes in and says, you know, it's, uh, I want to wet our beak. I want our cut. I want our share. 
And much like the mafia, if you don't give them their share, they have ways of making you regret it. They won't break your kneecaps. They'll do worse. They'll put you in prison. Um, but the withholding system insulates government. If, if people had a month of taking home their salary divvied up into 52 or 26 weekly pay stipends, and they saw and they got what they earned rather than what the government allows them to keep. There'd be a revolution in this country. There would. And maybe we would get something like a flat tax or a fair tax, a national sales tax, something. I don't think the people would tolerate the system as it was if they knew really what it was, what it, what it, they're earning and not getting. As far as Joe Biden's proposal, you look at budget proposals in the past, never to Republican presidents. Oh, Democrats have declared it dead on arrival. Okay. It's a jumping off point. When Democrats, when a Democrat proposes it, Republicans have come out and spoken out against, they've rejected him. They're criticizing the president's budget. The president doesn't really have any say in the budgetary process. He can ask for things, but the House, read the Constitution. The House deals with all spending issues. But the except most for, damning, Except for Obamacare. Yes. Well, the most damning part of Biden's proposal and all of his taxes, and it's bizarre, is he wants to return the uh, the or what do you call it the uh, capital gains tax from twenty percent to thirty nine point six percent. Now that's a huge increase, and everybody listening, one way or another, is involved in the stock market, be it through your four hundred one k or IRA, or you just a day trader, whatever. They want to hammer you. That's fine. Democrats have always railed about the uh, – and it might not, in fact, impact you directly, especially if you have a Roth IRA where you've already paid the taxes. But when everybody – it'll bastardize the market. People will have to sell more to pay their taxes or whatever to cover their, their bills. That will artificially manipulate the market and the sale price of individual stocks. There's always repercussions. You don't get to throw a rock into a, a lake and have there be no ripples. But the most damning thing was that they want to tax unrealized capital gains. Which okay, is stop, the- right, stop, 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 stop. I need yeah. you to explain that. Unrealized capital gains. When you say that a lot of people's eyes just go into that land, I know because one of them, for many years, my eyes went there too. You hear people unrealized capital. What the hell is he talking about? I don't know. What is an unrealized capital gain? Can you explain this to people? It's a wealth tax, essentially. If you bought a stock for a hundred, I'm just going to use round numbers. If you bought a stock yep. for a hundred dollars and it went up to two hundred dollars, you yep. have gained one hundred dollars in net worth. You gained that, but you don't have it. You can't spend it. Because you have a stock certificate. You can't go to McDonald's and say, here's my stock certificate. I want a a pile of McNuggets. It doesn't work that way. You have to sell the stock. Once you sell the stock for $200, you have realized $100 worth of capital gains, and you'd be taxed currently at 20% at that rate, so 20 bucks to the government. The government wants to tax you on that $100 increase in value now before you sell it. Now, you're not going to sell it for 20 years. You're not going to retire for 20 years. You're not going to sell it. The government wants their 20 bucks now. It's Think of it as an impatient mafia collector. They're like, hey, man, I want my, I want my cut. Well, we, I want my cut on that horse race winning. Well, the horse race hasn't even run yet. Doesn't matter. We're going to win. I want my cut. 
Well, there's all sorts of problems with that. Like I said, the aforementioned bastardizing the stock market, that if you have to pay taxes on something you weren't planning on selling, you're going to have to sell something in order to pay those taxes, which will then you see people dumping the stock early, which will deflate the value of the stock and hurt everybody out there, right. the people you claim to care so desperately about. Also, that raises the question, if you can raise tax, if you can tax people on something an unrealized capital gain. Well, we allow, right, if I bought a stock for $100 and it went down to 50 and I sold it, I've lost $50. I can write down that $50. I can take a capital loss. That's part of the deal. If you gamble and win, you get taxed. If you gamble and lose, you get a credit. The government tries not to even it out, but to lessen the blow so you don't go splat on the sidewalk so hard. Now, if you're going to tax unrealized capital gains, do you tax unrealized capital losses? The people who bought, who had Silicon Valley Bank uh, stock, do they get to go, all right, I've got to win. I want to file my taxes now because everything, the value just absolutely collapsed, and I'm not going to end up paying anything. These people, these Democrats act as though their policies will exist in a vacuum. And in a sense, they do. But the vacuum is the space behind their ears or between their ears and behind their eyes, not in reality, not in the real world. They have repercussions. Like I say, you can't throw a rock into a pond and there not be ripples. They just want to pretend that those ripples don't exist. What happens when you tax the rich, Derek? Everybody just – first of all, the rich are already paying. I get so – Derek, I've been so sick of this one for years and years and years. The rich mm-hmm. have to pay their fair share of taxes. I mean, the rich are not paying their fair share of taxes. Um, the hell they're not. For the most part, they are. Now, you can always come up with an example of somebody that's figured out how to work the system, and they're not paying. You can come up with one, two, three, or four examples, and, and, and it looks like, okay, they really got over on the government. Okay, that happens. I'm not saying it doesn't. But by and large, people that are earning income and they are wealthy, number one, they have there are ways that they can deflect what they're paying by certain in by certain ways they manage their money. That's why they hire money managers, okay? And they are taking advantage of the laws that are on the books. There in many cases. I'm not talking about illegal behavior. I'm talking about those people that operate within the system. But if you just think that you're going to just go ahead because somebody's rich, oh, they should be, let's just soak them. As the news coverage of the Biden um, proposal say, Biden soaks the rich. If you think the rich are just going to stand around and be soaked, you're sadly mistaken. And if you also think that the rich aren't being already taxed, you are mistaken. What say you? No, it's class warfare. It's classic communism. That's what it is. It's a tactic. They reckon. I mean, hell, the people who are sitting there going, uh, the rich got to pay their fair share, are the rich themselves. They know they're not going to do it. There aren't enough. Look, if you took, let's just, I don't know what Elon Musk's current net worth is, but let's pretend it's $150 million again. If you pay, or $150 billion. If you took all of it, oh, we got the rich. Let's get $150 billion from Elon Musk. You'd run the government for man, probably less than two weeks. And then what? We can't go back to Elon Musk and say, well, give us another $150 billion because you took it all. Now, you've also 
collapsed the stock market because you pulled a lot of money out of it. Tesla stock is in the toilet, whatever. But then you have to go on to Jeff Bezos. Then you got to go on to Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, et cetera. And what happens pretty quickly because our government spends so much damn money is you run out of rich people. And then where you got to go? Right. You got to lower the bar. You, you remember this because I learned this from Rush Limbaugh. Bill Clinton changed the definition of millionaires to people making $250,000 a year. That's right. not a millionaire. $250,000 is not a million. I can do basic math even back in the 90s. But they have to do that because not individually but collectively, simply by sheer numbers, the middle class is where the money is. If Democrats really want more money, they have to come after us. And they always do, but they do it in ways that aren't raising necessarily tax or tax rates they impose fees they quote unquote close loopholes and which is shutting down deductions they find ways to get into our wallets because we have the most money collectively and that's just how it always works i wish people were aware of this because look if you look at kim kardashian or Leonardo DiCaprio, hey, there's Leonardo DiCaprio on another vacation. He flew a private jet to go vacation for a week on a 200-foot yacht with seven 20-year-old Victoria's Secret models. And you go, why? He did that last week. God, I'm so jealous. Um, it, it, the Democrats play on that jealousy. There was a time and where I grew up, and you talk about my parents, they never looked at somebody and said, God, they have something. I, I want that from them. It's not fair that somebody has something that we don't. My parents were content. We've lost partially because of social media, but we've lost contentment. The real true like flyover country where I grew up, middle America, blue-collar workers, aren't going – it's unfair that Kim Kardashian can fly private. Because she has no discernible skills. She has no discernible skills, but she can fly private because she has the money. They don't want to fly private. They'd love to fly private. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to fly private. I just can't. But it's not like I'm losing sleep over it. The Democrats want the jealousy of it. It's somehow unfair. They want you to think that you don't have money because somebody else does. Because someone else does. Exactly. Derek, we got to take a break. It's absolutely not true. We're coming back. Derek Hunter, we're going to take your calls. We're going to start with your calls. Don't go away. James Golden, A.K. Sternly, our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Coming back right after this. This is the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Sheila E. brings us back WABC, our Saturday morning radio extravaganza with the last guest host. For those of you that don't know, Derek Hunter was the very last new guest host that was introduced on the Rush Limbaugh program. Extremely knowledgeable, as you hear every Saturday, almost every Saturday. Witty, strange sense of humor. <laughs> he's also a columnist for Tom Hall, and he's also an author. 
He's just an all-around Hey, Derek, you know, the only thing I'm, I'm waiting for yet is the announcement of your TV show. Which... <laughs> Oh, James, I've got a face for radio and a voice for print, so that's highly unlikely. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, let's go. To, uh, no, it's not. Let's go to the telephones. Bob in Trumbull, Connecticut. Bob, welcome. You're on WABC. Derek is here. James is here. And the, and the gang is here. What's up, Bob? Doc, good morning, James and Derek. Good every morning. Time, every time I hear people say they got to pay their fair share in taxes, <laughs> I cringe. You got to look at it like you go to McDonald's. There's a dollar menu for me, the working guy, and there's a dollar. There's a five dollar menu next to it for the guy who worked hard, had his own business, and you're getting the same product. Why should I pay a dollar and the other guy pay five dollars? Would that be is that how the fair tax works? Hey Bob, sorry to interrupt you. Scott, are you from Wisconsin by any chance? No. Oh, okay. All right. What Derek, is that how the fair tax accent? I just thought I thought maybe he was from my hometown. No. Is that how the fair tax works, Derek? The fair tax works, you both buy a ten dollar hamburger. You will both pay, say, as a 10% tax just to make it even. You both pay a dollar in taxes. If somebody's making uh, $10 million a year and you're making $40,000 a year and you're both eating at McDonald's, I'd look at that guy and say, what the hell's wrong with you? You're making $10 million, but if you want, that's fine. That's fair. But the odds of somebody making $10 million a year being in line for their you know, happy meal behind you, it probably happens sometimes, but not very often. They're most likely going to you know, the, the steakhouse down the street. So don't think of it as you're both buying a, a dollar meal or a, a, a Big Mac for 10 bucks. Think okay, of it as so. meal, how much your average price per meal versus their average price per meal. Okay, but if I go to the steakhouse and he pays $100 for his meal, should I only pay 20 No. You should to pay the same. Fair? I get See, it, it's works. like this Roth, Freedom of Roth choice, IRA right? thing. You go to where you want to go. No, the Roth IRA is you pay taxes now, assuming that no, the government no is going to try and screw retirees later. Yeah, okay. But I I worked for over 60 years paying Social Security, and mm-hmm. I paid the tax on that because if you look at how it works, I paid – the tax on the Social Security, and now they're taxing me again on half yeah. of it. Yeah, yes, but, because they can. And see, this is the so this if, is because they can. But, Bob, thank you for the call. We see people leaving states. You referred to this earlier, people fleeing states that have high tax rates, New York being a prime example, people getting the hell out of Dodge. You can do that. That's what the genius of our founding fathers was, 50 different Petri dishes, of democracy experiments and if you don't like it in one you go to the other when the federal government decides to come after you you've got nowhere to go unless you want to leave the country that's the difference and that is a huge difference derek thank you so much my friend for being with us as always uh derek where can people find your column townhall.com sunday monday tuesday and thursday and, and i heard you the derek hunter podcast or patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast if you want to hear me swear about the news. One more time, give that. Where? Patreon? 
Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast. There's a once-a-week show where I, uh, let's just say the FCC wouldn't like it, but it's the news the way it deserves to be talked about. Derek Hunter, you are amazing. Thank you for being with us, Derek. We appreciate you. All right, James Golden, AK Stunner, we are coming back. We've got a lot more to go. Coming up in the next hour, we're going to take a little interesting music journey just for a moment with a conductor, Patrick Burns. But we've got your calls coming up. We've got more news. Don't go away. WABC News comes up next. We are coming back. Our number duo of the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. And also, yes, we are going to do the morning dance, despite objections from some. I can't wait to share with you a conversation I've been having about it and more. So don't go away. Coming back right after this. It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Welcome to our number duo. It is James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdly, here with you on WABC. 800-848-WABC is the number to call, 800-848-WABC. You know, uh, Scott handed me an article. Well, actually, I looked it up. Right before the uh, right before the show began today, Kurt Franklin. For those of you that don't know the name, familiar with Kurt Franklin, he is a a gospel singer. Kurt Franklin has it's time. <laughs> he says he says it's time to bring back baby names like Charlene and Johnny May. And in other words, he normal. Where did you find this article, Scott? I, I don't know. My wife gave it to me. Okay. I, I don't know where she got it from. Bring back Johnny May, Jeanette, Deborah, and because the baby names. He says uh, he he has a second grandchild. Congratulations! I have my first. Um, and and they named the child Levi, and he's like. Levi's a beautiful name, but he told his daughter, hey, to save the next generation, let's go back to quote-unquote real names. Levi's a real name. That's what I say, but... Anything in the Bible is a real name. Okay. Well, it is. Those are names that have cycled through history and have been, they've been around for thousands of years. But some of the names that parents name their kids these days, anyway, he wants a return to normalization. I guess in names. Now, uh, moving on to other, I just just throw that out as an interesting little piece of news that, that that popped up today. Michael Knowles. I don't know whether you're familiar with Michael Knowles. Michael Knowles related to Beyonce? No, not at all. This is the way that they describe him in an MSN article: transphobic. Political commentator Michael Knowles delivered a hate-filled speech. The story was originally in the Daily Beast at the University of Buffalo. I, I said, he's delivering a hate speech. Wow, i got to read this thing. I didn't find the hate. He is not a transphobic person. He's not afraid. But he did say that... Among other things, he said feminism has made everybody miserable, especially women. 
That kind of ticked him off. He was interrupted by a bunch of people, trans lives matter, blah, 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 and he asked the protesters who was interrupting the speech, which says, okay, we got that. Do you have anything else to say? Trans lives matter, okay, I got it. Does anybody have a pen so I can write that down? He's just not going for it. He says, but what he said that is considered hate speech, and listen to this, by the left, he said, he's a columnist, he's a columnist Michael knows for the Daily Wire, he says there can be no middle way in dealing with transgenderism. He said it's all or nothing. If transgenderism is true, men can really become women, then it's true for everybody for all ages. If transgenderism is false, as it is, if men really cannot become women, as they cannot, then it's false for everybody, too. And if it's false, if it's something false, we ought not indulge in it. Now, this this is being called hate speech, by the way. There's also in the story that he supports the so-called great replacement theory, the racist ideology, that according to the Daily Beast, that that allowed this killer in Buffalo to operate. But this whole thing with the great replacement theory, we've talked about this before. Uh, This is not coming from the right. This is another semantical ploy. For decades, the left, and I can point to articles because I went back and found them when I started talking about this. For decades, the left has been telling us and warning us and and looking with glee at what they call the quote-unquote browning of America, that the demographics were shifting. When, when, when conservatives cite this in any way and say, okay, look, things are changing demographically, all of a sudden it has a racist tint to it, according to the left. But when the left, and they've been talking about this for decades, the fact that there are demographic changes across the country. We are entering a very, we have entered, we are not entering, we have already entered a very dangerous place in America where if you speak clearly about an issue and people do not like what it is that you're saying about the issue, they immediately jump to it becoming hate. Yesterday, we spoke with Curtis, was in here defending the fact that American cities are safer, according to Curtis. Many American cities are more dangerous than Mexico. He didn't throw out any, I mean, he didn't cite his sources for those facts he was giving out yesterday. I'd like to to, uh, fact check some of that. Do you believe, do do you take what he said at face value? Of course not. Not that I don't take a lot of things that Curtis says, because Curtis does. Of course, have a lot of things in his arsenal of rhetoric that are absolutely true. I mean, carjacking is worse in New York than Mexico City. I don't know if I believe that. Right. Well, here's a story today. Three women missing in Mexico after crossing the border from Texas to sell clothing at a flea market. You can find that story at Fox News Digital this morning. Three. And this comes after the after um, a lot of this, the warnings have come. The spring break is, hey, stay out of Mexico. 
there was an article that I had cited the day before that prompted all this that said, if you're traveling on a Mexican highway, consider yourself in danger because the Mexican highway system isn't safe. And that's what Curtis was reacting to. Two sisters from the Texas border town, another woman, are reportedly missing after they drove into a Mexican city last month to sell clothing at a flea market. 48-year-old Maria Perez Rios, her younger sister, Maritza Trinidad Perez Rios, haven't been heard from since. They traveled to Montemolores, and they went with a friend. They haven't been heard from since. There are a lot of warnings of what, what are going on. If you're following the uh, this whole thing with the supposed impending indictment of Donald Trump by Alvin Bragg, which I just want to, for a moment, you know, we have story after story, week after week, and I've demonstrated a lot of them. I don't do it all the time. I don't want to be a one-note somber with this on how unsafe living in New York has become ever since these George Soros-type prosecutors have assumed office, not just in New York with Alvin Bragg, but all over the country. There's no doubt about this. People see what has happened. These so-called bail reforms that let criminals out. And in some cases, we're talking about repeat offenders who are out on the street sometimes within a day after whatever heinous, offensive crime they've committed. And we have all of that going on in New York, and yet what is Alvin Bragg focused on? He's not focused on you folks. He's not focused on making the city safer for you. In fact, he's focused on making the city more beneficial for criminals. To get out. This is this is such a misguided approach. But yet, now we have Michael Cohen scheduled to testify before grand jury, hush money investigation over Stormy Daniels. How long has this thing been in the news? And who really cares about this, this whole Trump Stormy Daniels business? This is a persecution, and it has been a persecution. But this is where they're focusing their energy on, not on your safety. It is disgraceful. Prosecutors said to be nearing a decision on whether to bring charges against former President Trump. Alvin Bragg's investigation into the payments that were made to supposedly to keep her quiet, blah, 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 blah. It goes on and on and on. How, how long? How long do we have to... They are doing all that they can to make sure in their minds that they can try to keep him, him being Donald Trump, from running again. And that's all this is about. This is a political persecution. It is rooted in politics. Letitia James, Attorney General, these people, there is so much to investigate in New York. There is so much crime here to get underneath. But no, they won't do anything that will ensure your safety instead They do things to ensure their power. And it's ridiculous and it's absurd. I don't know whether you've been following. I really wanted to to go on the offense 
when I first heard about this, but then I looked into details, and I'm like, nah, I don't think so, because I have questions. I don't know whether you've been following this, and this today you can find the story on The Daily BS. That's my twice-a-day web blast. It goes to our news site, The Daily BS. Dot com? The Daily BS dot com. Thank you. African reporter booted from the White House Correspondents Association. He's now accusing Karine Jean-Pierre of trying to silence him because he's asked her tough questions. This is the guy that, that she hasn't called on him in like three months. She used to call on him, and he used to ask her the toughest questions that no one else in the press corps would. His name is Simon Atiba, or Atiba. So now they kicked him out of the White House Correspondence Association. He wrote a big letter. On t- he he went out, played the victim, played the victim. Well, he did. On Twitter, oh, this is a sad day for American journalism. You know, he's like, America is the light of the world. I come here. They kick me out. And he cites in it, in his complaints, he says it's shameful, it's disgraceful. The president of the White House Correspondents Association, Tamara Keith, who works for NPR, a publicly funded media organization, should be ashamed of herself. He's taking after her. She's a liberal. He said, today's a dark day for the freedom of press in the United States. The forces of evil who felt belittled had removed me from the White House Correspondents Association. The removal had the approval of one journalist called Tamara Keith, who is the WHCA president who works for NPR, funded by donors and taxpayers. They claim I do not have money and can't be a member of the WHCA. Well, if you look at the letter, which he posted, that's not exactly what they're claiming. They're claiming that he doesn't really work for any legitimate news organization that they can find. And one of the bylaws for being in the White House Press Correspondents Association is that you have to belong to a reputable news organization, whether it's here or overseas, and they can't find an organization that he belongs to. And as far as I know, he hasn't disputed that. So as much as I would like to to support the idea that he's being the victim of liberals here, Look, folks, when you, if the, the rules are the rules, pal, if you're in the White House, you know, Correspondents Association, now he claims that they're lying, and he is, but I, he hasn't offered the proof of that. You know, it's one thing to, to, to go out and say, I'm a victim of something. But don't, you know, I, I don't know, it's, He published their letter in its entirety, to his credit. And she cites behavioral matters and the fact that he's not a part of a news organization. I mean, if the rules say you have to be part of a rules organization, then what do you expect? So I don't know. As much as I'd like to support this guy, 
and and blame the liberals. I can't blame the liberals if 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 they look. The rules are the rules, and just because you're here and you're from Africa and you're a black guy, doesn't mean that you get a pass on the rules. The rules are the rules are the rules. So either you followed the rules or you didn't. And if you did follow all of the rules, then as a journalist, you should you should be forthcoming. And tell everybody exactly who you work for. Let them check it out. And if not, just stop complaining about it. You had your day in the in the glory. You embarrassed Karine Jean-Pierre. And apparently you didn't have your own act together. Hey, James Golden, A.K. Stanley, we're coming back. Don't go away. Your calls are coming up. WABC Talk Radio 77. We'll be back. 800-848-WABC is the number to call. 800-848-WABC. Back right after this. Vacation starts with VA. One thing you'll love about your trip to Virginia is that you'll never have to settle for one thing. All that you love is all in one trip. Start yours at virginia.org. The Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Shabba Riggs, Max Priest, bring us back on WABC. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Let's go to the telephones. Okay, we've got a few things coming up. Morning dance. Yes, we're going to do it. We usually do it at the 30 mark, but we have a guest in at the 30 mark. We're going to do it at 45. Now, I have been one of my dear friends, dearest friends, a musician, a fellow musician, says, you know, you may want to scratch that morning dance segment. It's not good. People don't want to do it. Even the people there don't want to do it. Scott doesn't really want to do it. Nobody, you, you know you got a loser on your hands when nobody wants to participate in it. Is this Omar? No, it's not. No. So is that so it's a loser, huh, Scott? You don't really want to do it. I didn't say it was a loser. I just find it very stereotypical. That's all. It's stereotypical. I find it stereotypical. How is it stereotypical? Well, we had a conversation about a year ago yeah. about how there are random black people dancing in every commercial on television. And you were like, yeah, yeah, there are. And I'm like, well, do you just spontaneously start dancing? Is that something black people do? And you're like, no, I don't dance. I don't just start dancing. But now, I never said but, I didn't dance no, no, ever. No, 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 you didn't say you don't dance ever. You said you don't just spontaneously start dancing at the breakfast table. Of course like not. Like they do in the commercials. Right. And so, I don't. So this I just, is planned. This, this just reminds me. Of that, that's all. Maybe it shouldn't. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I shouldn't okay, be thinking me, that The way. purpose of this, number one, I started with, with by playing Morning Dance by Spyro Jarrett. I said, yes, you know you what? Did. Yes, this did. song always makes me happy no matter when I hear it. It's a great song. 
and it always makes me want to dance. And I said, you know what? We do a three-hour show. I sit on my behind. And so why not just get up and do dance and do a dance during whatever? It's just so I can, you know, move around a little bit. Right? I, I understand. And it was that fun. Sure. And so we do it. Now, and I ask all you guys in the staff to participate. You have to dance. Are you afraid to dance? I don't like dancing. No, I don't like dancing. But that's too bad. I, I, I've gathered that. <laughs> Everybody. So anyway, we'll see. And I've had people contact me during the week and say, what a great segment that they dance at home with us. And, yes, and so if you want to dance at home with us, and if you're one of the critics and you don't want to, I still love you. But, okay, I'm sorry. You won't tell us who this person was? No, I'm not going to. Uh, He's a musician. Curious. Whose opinion I respect very much. Mm. Kill that morning dance crap. (laughs) Sean in Detroit is on the telephone. Sean, how are you? Welcome. You're on WABC. James, it's a pleasure to have you out there, and it was always a pleasure to have you before, way in the background, but now it's really a pleasure to have you out here now, and I know this is not the big news of the week or anything all that important, but it's it's so emblematic of what's been going on, and that is the daylight savings time getting its name changed surreptitiously to daylight saving time. And I don't know, have you noticed this in the last three years? Not really. Well, but so this has say, been. For example, Google. Um, I, I noticed it in the media about three years ago. All the news shows, all the newspapers, all the magazines just suddenly changed the name. And I know when you were talking about it earlier today, you were referring to it as daylight savings time. And that makes you an old school guy, an OG. And I like to think I'm a little bit of an OG, too. So we still call it daylight savings time. But if you run a Google search on the term, 90% of it now, they've changed the name across the board in the media to daylight saving time. And and it's it's the drive-by media back at it. And I have no idea why they did it, but it's it's so obvious that they all follow each other. It's just like the drive-bys. Thank you so much. for. Now, the question I have, is it obsolete? Should we be getting rid of it? Of course, Marco Rubio put up legislation to do it. It died in the Senate where a lot of good things die and where a lot of bad things die as well. But um, the big story is whether it should or whether it's obsolete, whether we are past the point where we actually need it. And there were all kind of recommendations. Oh, we should just settle in the middle and just have a half an hour, just bump the clocks up or back a half an hour, just leave it there. And to me, that's just that would create so much confusion. Oh, but... Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm tending to think that I never understood. I know it was for agriculture. I've read the reasons why. And also, so the school children don't have to go to school in the dark and all the rest of it. But really, do we really have to change these? Anyway, change these clocks every year. Seriously? John, Staten Island, you're up next. Thanks, Sean from Detroit. Appreciate you. John, Staten Island. Hey, well, good morning. I was. I heard uh, what's his name Schumer talking about he, how he almost died uh, because of this, and he's a mad at Tucker. I mean, I don't know how how bad he could get killed if he was in a room with Nancy Pelosi eating an energy bar, and she's threatening the president about knocking him out. If anything, uh, I think Schumer's a wimp. Well, you know, it's curious that Chuck Chuck Schumer goes up and demands that Rupert Mur- Murdoch demand that Fox that Tucker Carlson not show the American people 
the footage. And I can't wait to ask Tucker about that, because here you are. We have not seen, uh, they could not wait, this Democrat J6 committee, to present the footage that they say showed was this horrible insurrection in Washington that threatened democracy. Remember what they were telling us, that democracy was just hanging by a thread because of this. So now Tucker is playing footage that we haven't seen before, and now democracy is threatened again because Tucker is actually playing the footage that they refuse to show the public for some reason? How does that work? And, and why is... Thing, if, yeah. I'm sorry, Bill. No, and go ahead. Thing, if if uh, the, police, the Capitol Police was saying they were trying to diffuse the information, uh, the, inf- uh, the people, you know, the crowd, that the only people who should be prosecuted are the ones at the gate that started this. The people that walked past that, I'm sorry, but every, they arrested 900 people, probably... I would say 900, even more than that, uh, went inside by mistake. So there should be lawyers right now. I mean, that's a class action lawsuit. Get them all out. They walked in by mistake. The cops didn't tell them. They should have asked them to leave. They didn't tell them to leave. They were diffusing. Well, then, you know what? You diffuse people innocently into jail. It's called entrapment. That's what it is, entrapment. Yep. Okay. So listen, so that's true. There was a story today from a woman who had a SWAT team sent to her house. She stayed in the Capitol 15 minutes, did nothing. They sent an anti-terrorism SWAT team to her house to arrest her. For what? Because she stood in the Capitol building. She did nothing except go in and stand there. And that's how insidious some of this is. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, when we come back. Conductor Patrick Burns joins us, and then later on we are going to do the morning dance. So stay with us here. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza on WABC. Coming back right after this. The Saturday morning radio extravaganza is in your ears. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. This beautiful, beautiful composition that you're listening to. Was composed by Patrick Burns. It is called Oasis. It is a marvelous composition. And Patrick Burns, who was also the conductor of New Jersey Wind Symphony, New Jersey, yes, New Jersey Wind Symphony, performing this is with us. Patrick, good morning. How are you? Well, good morning, Bo. Uh, it's great to be here. I just want to correct you, if I may. I'm the conductor correct of the me Blue for Blue everything. Uh, yeah, not, not at all. I'm the conductor of the Bloomfield Youth Band. The New Jersey Wind Symphony, which is playing that, is conducted by my dear friend Chris William, and they have done so many of my pieces over the last 20 years, including Oasis. And uh, But I conduct a different group, but I have a great relationship with that musical family. And I just wanted to say that right out front, because I know okay. people here are up saying that Burns doesn't conduct that group. <laughs> yeah, well, Burns is still a conductor, and Burns conducts. I'm yeah. sorry I had it wrong there. I appreciate that. No, no. You know, but you, I, I, which I want to ask you about, all of us that love music, 
at one time or another have put both of our hands up in the air with our with our uh, 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 pretend baton and directed music. But you actually not only compose things of beauty like this, but you also do conduct and and direct. Yeah. How, what is that? What is that experience really like when you're sitting before so many musicians and and is it just a timekeeper? Tell us what actually a conductor does. What is the role well, of a conductor? Right. I mean, now we're getting into your show needs to be six hours long or longer because it's a whole class. But here it is. I mean, it's very simple. The composer, most of what I conduct, by the way, is 95% of what I conduct is other people's music, which I enjoy much more than doing my own, believe it or not. But the role of a conductor essentially is to get into the imagination of the composer. What did that composer write? How did that composer imagine what they imagined? What were they thinking? What were they feeling? What can we as conductors, as teachers, glean from the math on the page, the black and white, the notes, the directions? Because you can only write, I mean, notes and harmonies and rhythms and textures and orchestration, and all of that has definite oral meaning or stuff that we can hear but there's the important stuff on the page the important expression of music is what we cannot write on the page that no composer has ever been able to write on the page not mozart not bach not german typhair not carol king not anyone has ever been able to write those things and so when you have a conductor that's leading a group yes one is to create unity a unified vision Three or four people don't need a conductor, but 30 or 40 or 100 do. And then it's also for that person, the conductor, to make judgments about what's on the page and how that correlates to what is in the composer's mind, imagination, and heart. Wow. So when you – and so this is – you have a, maybe – you said you said 30 up to maybe even 100 pieces. Just sometimes more. I mean, the largest band I've ever conducted is 168. Imagine that. And, yeah, a lot. <laughs> wow. So, you know, How do you do? Say, it, it, it's, it's right and left brain. I mean, for, for, the, for the mathematicians out there and, and the right and the, and the artists out there and the left brainers, conducting is – being a musician really is being a balanced brain. I mean, you have to coordinate all of the mathematical and the concrete events that – have to happen when they need to happen in the way they need to happen, the the technical stuff with the artistic. So you're, you're balancing, you're on a seesaw all the time as a musician, not only as a conductor, but as a musician of any kind. Talk to us about this composition because it is so beautiful, and tell us where people can find it, number one. And I want people to know you're also, there's a gig tonight that, that yes. is in New Jersey that I want to talk about too, but um, and, and I want you to talk about Tell people for a, a moment why this composition, Oasis. I, this composition, I, it literally, when I listened to it, brought me to tears. Tell, me, tell us about this composition. It's a piece that's, that was written uh, for in memory of the wife of a dear friend. Uh, his wife passed away um, in 2014 while essentially saving her son and a friend, uh, her son's friend from drowning in Lake Erie. She's, she died a hero. Um, her name is Kristen Stefan, and my dear friend's name is Todd Stefan. And um, I, it, 
it's 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 a tragic story in all sorts of ways, but because of her effort and literally sacrificing her life, her son and Todd's lived and their and their friend's son as well. And I wanted to write a piece in her memory, and I I struggled with it for on and off for about three years, believe it or not. Some pieces come very quickly and some don't. Now, this is not the only thing that I was trying to write for three years, but I kept going back to it and adding and taking away, and, and I had some good ideas, but I couldn't connect them. And after about three years of struggling with this, if you're a composer, and for those of you who are composers out there of any kind, the hardest thing to do is to say, to listen to the piece, you have to always listen to the piece that's writing itself through you and say, no, I, I have to walk away from this. This is not working. Uh, if you do that too soon, it's no good. But if you do it too late, then you can't get the art. And I laid it aside. I had about eight or nine minutes of music that I had struggled with on and off for three years. And then as soon as I was okay with that, the next day I went to the piano and then I wrote the beginning of Oasis with the little metallic percussion and the flute solo. And then I knew that I had something. Um, and it's it's about finding inner peace in the worst of circumstances if such a thing is possible. It ends peacefully, but it's not really resolved. And that's intentional. And that is just an amazing life message. Where are you performing tonight? Tonight, uh, the Bloomfield Youth Band, which I've conducted for 37 years. I can hardly believe it. Um, Bloomfield Middle School, 60 Huck Road, like Huck Finn, in Bloomfield, New Jersey, we're performing a concert called Images and Sound. Um, the Bloomfield Youth Band is composed mainly of high school students with some middle school and some collegiate students from Bloomfield and surrounding communities. We have uh, kids from, I think, 10 different towns that play. Uh, we're about 45 strong, and they are marvelous. Um, all of my stuff you can hear on YouTube. It's all over the place on YouTube. Uh, you can hear Bloomfield Youth Band stuff. You can hear Oasis on YouTube. and it's just a marvelous group. I can't wait. What time I'm is always... the What time is the event? And and one oh, more time, give the seven thirty, seven thirty p.m. tonight, March eleventh at Bloomfield Middle School. And tickets are fifteen dollars. You'll be glad that you spent it too, and we'll be glad to disabuse you of that surplus cash. We'll give you some great music and in in, uh, in trade for it. And so, if you're looking for something to do tonight, that's especially enjoyable, I would think. Tell us about what, how do you get to be a student and play? How, how does this happen? How do you play? And how do you get to be that good if you're in, in, in middle school and high school? Oh, Bo, I mean, you, there, what, what we look for, what I always look for as an, as an educator, and by the way, we have a terrific guest conductor with us tonight, dear friend, uh, Dr. Jason Noble from New York University. He's a longtime friend, amazing musician. If you if you want to play, if a kid wants to play and they really want to work, then this is a place for them. Now, they have to be at a certain point in the trajectory of their music education, right? I mean, a, uh, a student who's been playing only a few months is not going to be able to hang with a with a band like this because we do play more advanced music. But most of our students don't take private lessons. Most of our students um, come from lower middle and uh, middle class income families um they um uh, you know they they have a great desire to play and they're a great musical family they they play well together they they love each other they like each other 
and they are a joy to be around, and they always have been. Um, the faces change, but um, but the the vibe is always the same. It's a it's a great environment of inclusion and in music and artistry, and they're just they're just fabulous. So they're they're motivated on their own. They almost all play in their school music programs, which is how I got started in public school music programs. It's a fantastic thing. And then they add to their experience by coming to play on Friday nights. We rehearse on Friday nights and uh, have done for 37 years. Tell us again where people can go tonight for a wonderful treat. Bloomfield Youth Band. Uh, Bloomfield Middle School, located at 60, that's 60 Huck Road in Bloomfield, New Jersey. 7.30 p.m. we start, $15 admission. Patrick, I have um, you and I have had one extended conversation that I learned so much for folks. I talked about it on the air. Uh, Patrick shared with me um, uh, just some of the things that go into creating a, a composition of the kind of magnitude that he works with. It is truly amazing. He's an amazing musician. I'm glad to call him. He's one of my new friends. And you're one and of mine. And he's <laughs> thank you. And you are just you have brightened my life considerably just being so giving with your knowledge and your appreciation and helping me to even understand why I appreciate certain things in music the way that I do. Thank you, Patrick Burns. You well, are amazing. You. Oh, you're, you're, you're sweet for saying that, and uh, I can't thank you enough. Thank you. Folks, tonight, yeah, check out Bloomfield, New Jersey. You'll enjoy. Okay, James Golden, A.K. Snurley, coming back. Morning Dance coming back, and more news, more stuff, more fun. So don't go. We haven't heard from Camelia today at all. She's been so quiet. So we're going to check in with Camelia too and see what's going on with her. Because I have a story I need to ask her about. We always bounce things off of Camelia. So we'll do that. James Golden, A.K. Snurley, with you here on WABC Talk Radio 77. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Don't you dare go away. Be right back. Saturday morning radio extravaganza is in your ears. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. WABC Talk Radio 77. It's Saturday morning. Our Saturday morning radio extravaganza, and we have arrived at the point. Yeah, Rufus brings us back, Chaka Khan. You like the Mary J. Blige version of this? I like this. To me, you know, there are certain... I like cover songs. I like people hearing other interpretations. But nobody... And I love Mary J., by the way. But I'm sorry. Nobody. Nobody does it like Chaka. Okay, so it is time. Now, once again, we started, I started this because, and this is what happens today. I have been sitting in the chair ever since before the show started. My foot's asleep. Yeah, and you've been, and you've been sitting there. 
So we said, okay, we have to get up. We have to do something. We have to get some kind of... Camelia, what are you doing? How come you're so quiet today, Camelia? I can't even hear I don't know if we have uh, that capability today. Yeah. Camelia, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm quiet because I'm just like in a grieving mode right now. What happened, baby? Talk to me. Oh, my cousin passed away. Oh, no. Tell her, how old was your cousin, sweetie? She just turned 40. 40 years old? Yeah. Yeah. Camelia was sorry. Thank you. Yeah. So I, I hear you. You know, we've, um, this is, you know, I talked about it last week. I lost one of my dear friends last week. And not not to make it about me, but I just, just to say to you that we understand. This is one of the things. You're, Camelia, you, have you experienced a lot of loss in your life so far, or is this one of the first times that you've had to experience this? No, it's, it's been a lot, actually. Wow. Yeah. So it is, it's a process. You know that, right? Yeah. It takes a while before you get... We lost her mom, and now we lost her, so... Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, honey, we love you, Camelia. Thank and you. If there's I love any, you guys too. Thank you. If there's anything we can do to help, you let us know. Of course. Okay. Yeah. So that's why we haven't heard from Camelia this morning. And we, you know, look, it's it's just this is part of what we go through in life, right? This is painful. The painful part of living. And that, we, and you know, something. The older I get, the more I, William Shatner. Um, William Shatner was interviewed this week. And now William Shatner's in his 90s, and he was just very upfront. He's like, look, I don't have a lot of time left. So, and someone wonders, well, how do you know? Well, because you're in your, you figure it out. Life is really goes by quick, and you do have to value every single moment that we can, that we can stay in the consciousness. And it's hard to stay in that consciousness of valuing it and staying in the conscious of realizing that our time here is really limited. So that said, it is, we are still going to do the morning dance. Scott, you're not going to well, get that was quite the lead in. Yes, we have to value it. And we right. also have to get off our butt. So what have you chosen? Well, I was originally, I was going to do James Brown, I Feel Good, and we have every James Brown song in the library except for that one. <laughs> I mean, there's like 10 James Brown, I don't know any other James Brown songs, but there's like, every, we have every James Brown, and then I was, I was like, okay, well, let's just do the Beatles twist and shout. We don't have that either. Somehow we don't have that song. We have, again, 20 Beatles songs in there, at least. Not that one. So, let's do, I mean, just because I know Curtis... Loves him so much. Can we do uh, Michael Jackson PYT? We can do can Michael do Jackson okay. PYT. Because right, there's plenty of dance moves we can do. Okay. All right. So how do we... Oh, so All right, we're well, gonna everybody's got to stand up. Okay, okay stand right, up. Everybody's up. Okay. Oh. All right. Kind of stretch. Get your... Get your stretch. Get the blood moving. Okay, people at home, this is for you, too, except if you don't want to participate because you think... It is a lame segment that should never be on radio. I want to know who said that. <laughs> okay, all right. So we're gonna do a little. We're gonna start with some moonwalking. Can we do a little moon? We're gonna moonwalk. Moonwalking at this point. This is where you moonwalk. Wait a minute. I have right. to. Okay. There we go. All right. 
right. Okay. Now you want your glove. You got your glove on with your diamonds? I don't have my glove on. Okay. Make sure you get your glove on. Go ahead, Camellia's right. moonwalking. Mm -hmm. Now this is where you grab your junk. What? This is Michael Jackson. Okay. <laughs> Christian is grabbing his junk. <laughs> God is grabbing his junk. Camellia doesn't have junk, but she's... Gonna grab something. Grabbing something. <laughs> okay. All right, what else does Michael Jackson do? Um, do you know how to spin? <laughs> spin, yeah, spin. Let's do some okay, spinning. Spin. All right. I'm getting wrapped up in my headphones. <laughs> yeah. Okay, how about your side to side? Side to side, all right. I'm out of moves. That's all, that's all I got. Okay. I can only fill 60 seconds of dance moves. That's all I have. <sighs> the hat tip. The hat tip. Oh, good. Camille's got the move. <laughs> Knees together. Oh, Scott, I'm just amazed you chose this song. Okay. All right, here. This is the morning dance on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. If you're out of your chair, stay out of your chair. Now you can repeat. Yes. Look, just do your thing. Just feel the groove. Take it there. Just be happy for a minute. Forget all of your woes. Forget all the problems. Move your body and be grateful for the blessing of being alive. And being able to enjoy yourself for a few seconds. There's nothing wrong with that. Grab your junk. <laughs> okay, that's our morning dance. <laughs> Christian, I don't, I don't know if we can hear that. Christian just said, thank God he did that sexual harassment training earlier. <laughs> Yeah, you and me both. Is it time for a break? No. <sighs> Thank you. <laughs> See, now look what you've done. Yeah, I know. Now we... you're too out of breath to take calls. I'm not too out of breath to take calls. This is good, though, because I'm telling you. Otherwise, I would be in this seat for three hours. And so I like this. Let's go back to the telephones. William in Westchester County. Thank you for waiting. Hi, James. Hi, William. Uh, to follow up your last interview, every year the Yonkers Philharmonic has an annual concert with uh, with middle school and high school soloists. I've been a classical music fan for since high school 60 years ago. These kids are great. 
It's every, every uh, let's see, it'll be early in May. Just check the Yonkers uh, Philharmonic website. And again, these good kids are good. And if wow. I quick follow-up to Derek. Yes, okay, by all his, means. His, his attitude, the, the, his parents' attitude toward, towards getting rich, I remember hearing a story that the classical American attitude towards the guy on top of the hill with the mansion is, I want to be like that guy. We're becoming like Europeans whose attitude is, I want to shoot that son of a bitch. You know what? This is, I am so happy that you raised this. And this is part of this insidious class warfare where we can't be grateful for what we have. Instead, we have to look at someone else and be resentful because they have more. And I, I find it so amazing that, that so many people in the left, on the left, promote this idea. And this is this whole, look, this is what is the insidious underlying message of all of this talk about equity, equity, that we should all be the same. There should be an equity among us. Our system was designed capitalism because capitalism works, and it works so that people can achieve up to their level of ambition and merit. And that doesn't mean that if you have ambition and merit, you're going to necessarily win, but it means in America you have a chance. Oh, there's so much more to this. But thank you. Before you go, William, one more time, tell us the name of the the, the Philharmonic you were talking about. Yonkers Philharmonic. Their concerts are in Saunders High School, which is just off the uh, Sawmill Parkway. Thank you. And for those of you, I appreciate the call so much. You, we appreciate all kinds of music here, as you may have figured out. Next week, we have got a real treat for you. I'll talk about that later. Rachel Z is going to join us next week. Rachel Z is one of the most amazing musicians in the world. More known for her work in rock and roll and also in jazz. She's worked with artists from anywhere from like Peter Gabriel. But she is her, as a musician, she is amazing. And we lost Wayne Shorter two weeks ago, and she played with Wayne, and she worked with Wayne Shorter. So we're going to talk about that, among others. WABC Talk Radio 77. This is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. We're coming back. We've got a lot more news, a lot more calls, and also America's small caffeinated mom is going to join us, too. So don't go away. Still a lot to do. And we'll be right back. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Welcome to our number trio. This is our third hour here on Bo Snurdly Saturday morning. Well, I started to say, oh, getting confused. Almost said Saturday morning rush hour. It's not. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Bo Snurdly's rush hour is every weekday at 4 o'clock here on WABC. So the there's trouble in paradise, by the way. Disney is cutting more jobs. 7,000, the rodent kingdom. 
7,000 more jobs. We had the story to Daily BS, um, and it is also American Wire News. American Wire News powers a lot of the Daily BS. Bob Iger, CEO of Disney, announced that he's going to be cutting some costs. And he admitted, he said, look, you know what? We have been a little too aggressive when it comes with the pricing of some of our things. Did you, hey, Scott, did you ever, did you ever um, uh, uh, think about going to that hotel, that Star Wars hotel that they have up at that Disney, no, down at I that Disney thing? don't think I even know about it. This hotel, like, costs $20,000 for the experience. Well, that's what they had charged for it. But it was like you were on, it was a role-playing thing. You could go on and be part of the, either part of the crew or part of whatever, a oh, character. Wow. And if they had a Star Trek one, I might actually do that. Oh, you're a Star Trek I'm guy. A, I'm more of a Trek kind of guy. Mm. What, sure. So they closed it? They, they don't, don't? No, I think they're going to lower the prices, though. Oh. Because people were saying $20,000 for real? That seems high. It seems a little bit high. <laughs> Car or Disney? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But also, you know, a lot of their movies has, haven't been doing what they usually do. So he's saying they're going to be kind of less of these Marvel sequels. Thank goodness. I don't know about you. I mean, I grew up with a lot of these comic books. And frankly, these some of these Marvel movies... I remember the, everybody was going nuts over the the last one with the Avengers. What was the name of it? I forgot the name of it. And whatever it was, I was just like so bored. It was this giant guy that looked like the Thing. Um, and it was the whole thing was just to me. It was just like so all special effects and no story. So it's just like. That's the infinity something or another. And, I mean, I was just like, eh, whatever, another one of these. And then, it's like, how many reboots of Spider-Man can you see before you get tired of, of it's like Spider-Man must be in this, like, gazillionth reboot. It's like the Batman movies of DC. It's not just Marvel stuff. It's like the Batman stuff. It's like the last Batman reboot. I didn't even bother. It's like. Yet another Batman? You can't you can't find another movie? You can't find anything else but Batman again? So I think Disney folks over at Disney are kind of um finally figuring it out. Okay, maybe we ought to maybe make some non no, they haven't figured out the non woke part yet. But maybe a little too much Marvel, maybe? And I finally did see, I waited for it, to see that the uh, that Black Panther um, uh, second movie. It was all right. It was good. It was all right. It wasn't like, I don't remember it now. Uh, but I don't watch movies like a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people, when I say that, uh, it, you, a lot of people know who the stars are. No, I don't know who these people are. And I don't read the credits at the end because I don't care. I just like, okay, it was a nice movie. Let me go on and do something else. Oh, it was a boring movie. I stopped in the middle of it, and I haven't picked it back up. I find that when I do have the time to watch more stuff, I'm watching more British stuff than I am American stuff. We just watched All Quiet on the Western Front. 
What's that? The remake, which I didn't know about. It's up for Oscars, and it uh, came out, I guess, in November. Somehow I didn't hear anything about it, but it's in German, and they, they with with uh, British overdub, it's incredibly gruesome. It's a very well-done movie, but it's... it's What's uh, it about? Well, it's about World War One. It's all quiet on the Western Front. It's a re- oh, okay. re- remake of the book and the, and the first movie from the 30s. From the for the, the trench warfare in between, that happened, or is it more than just like no? The, it's all trench warfare. It's the whole thing. Is, the whole thing is yeah, trench warfare. Yeah, the whole warfare. thing is just people dying in in whatever year that was nineteen eighteen. Yeah, it was and, over. Oh, it's and it's about the armistice, about the the German um, the train car that we heard about so much in World War Two, and and Germans trying to decide if they should you know, sign the peace treaty and. Watching everybody else get blown up while they're trying to. You're make talking that about the, the 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 peace treaty at Versailles, right? Yes, in the railroad car that Hitler then made the French capitulate, right, and come back to that car to yeah yeah. And by the way, a lot of people believe that World War II happened, and Hitler was able to rise because the terms of that surrender were so onerous for Germany. But World War One just seemed so. Dumb. I mean, it was started for such a stupid reason, and then it was fought. I mean, that this to me. I mean, I, I I guess technology was changing at the time, and people didn't know how to fight a war with what they were given. But it just seems like such a waste of time and life. The way they fought that war, just everybody sits in their trenches. The front line doesn't move, and you just sit there massacring each other. There was there was just no way anyone was ever really gonna. Well, you have to remember, tanks were in their infancy, right? And also air. War, you know, air wasn't yet established as the as a, as a war by air power. So that was really the last of the total infantry, well, almost infantry wars where people on the ground, boots on the ground, were the force. And you're right. I mean, but well, there the, was no marching. There was no moving. It was just people going in these trenches and dying. There was just it was like there was no victory ever. It seemed like it was just a just a stalemate the entire time. Well, what else was present in World War One? Well, all of the mustard gas. The and, mustard gas, yeah. absolutely. Which they didn't get into too much. There was a little bit of that, but it wasn't. Yeah. Well, anyway, so hey, that's what Christian you, can talk to us. That's what you. That's what you. Uh, so that's what you watch. Hold on, Christian just announced he uh, his mic. Yeah, is I know. Okay. Yeah. So Christian, on these movies, Marvel movies, which ones? Your favorites. Honestly, um, I love the George Clooney movies. I know it's not a Marvel movie per se, but like a lot of the superhero stuff that I like to watch, like Batman Returns and all these other movies. I'm more of an old-fashioned type because I've noticed how these new movies are just, yeah, they're full of effects. They're cool, but there's no there's no basis for them anymore. No stories. Yeah, and it's all watered down, and I'm sick of it. I, I agree with you. I, I think... I think they need to switch it up. There's so many characters that we don't even know about yet, and I think they could explore that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, I've, I'm, I'm bored to tears with most American movies now. I've just become bored to tears. It's like, oh, here we go with this formula again. Same old formula, same old movie. So I started watching a lot of this stuff, and not, not to say that the Brits don't have their own formula. I mean, the Brits. I mean, these are some murder happy people. I mean, I've, they've got like a gazillion murder detectives, and that's one of the genres that they love. You know, the murder detective. There's there's Endeavor, who was turned into you know uh, what whoever the, the the Luther ones. I really like. 
But then they get, I've been watching Midsummer Murders now for almost 20 years, and it's the same formula. And you say, how many times can I sit and watch the same formula? There are going to be three murders during this show, and Barnaby is going to figure it out because he's always the smart guy. Anyway. Uh, my friends, and then I can't wait to hear from Ron in a little bit, I don't know whether this would concern a lot of you, but if you happen to have worked for New York City and you are retired, you just got hosed. Here's what happened. New York City, the union, your union bosses, your current union bosses in New York sold out you older union people. Those of you who believed in unions, you're good liberals, many of you. Some of you were not good liberals, but you went along with the whole union thing anyway. You just got hosed. Here's what happened. New York City had a deal with their health care. Their health care unions had a deal. They had their own health care service that they were promised. In retirement. And the unions just scrapped it. New York City union bosses approved controversial plan to mandate Medicare Advantage for the retired city workers. That happened on Thursday. While you were busy doing other things, representatives from the all from all of the local public sector unions, that would be the Municipal Labor, Labor Committee, this proposal came from Mayor Adams. They eliminated senior care. That was the city-funded supplement that you guys have for Medicare. 250,000, 250,000 retired workers had their own health care plan. Mayor Adams enlisted the help of the the current union goons. I'm sorry, that's not nice. The current union thugs. I'm sorry, that's not nice. The current union leadership. And they just screwed their own people. They said, forget about this plan that you were promised all the while you worked, all your dues. You would say, okay, when you retire, you will have you will have senior care. And that you can use that to supplement medical well, Mayor Adams and the current union goons. I'm sorry, that's not nice. The current union thugs, I'm sorry, that's terrible. The current union leadership just said, screw you. Yeah, we promised it to you, and now we're taking it away. Now you have to become part of Medicare Advantage. And Mayor Adams says that if doing that, oh, it's going to save the city a bunch of money. Yeah, it's going to save a bunch of money because they don't have to honor the promise. So your health care that you were guaranteed, that you worked for, they promised you. This is what you get in retirement. They just said, oops, never mind, screw you. Now you have to take Medicare Advantage. And it comes through Aetna. So they basically made a deal with Aetna for the Medicare Advantage. And Aetna will 
administer that. And, of course, Edna has their own rules. And so some of the things that you had under what you were promised, senior care, <laughs> gone, your health care didn't remain the same, and you and they lied to you about what you would get. All the while you were paying your dues, they lied to you. They just took it away. A quarter of a million retired workers from New York's municipal unions. Now, I don't have any schadenfreude about this. I'm not saying it because I'm happy. I just think when people make you a promise and they ought to keep it, and you people, they, whether you're a union, non-union, whatever, they made a promise to you, you paid in, and they just said, nope, sorry, too bad, we're going to make a new deal. Pray we don't alter the deal any further. James Golden, A.K. Snorley. When we get back, we'll hear from America's small caffeinated mom, and then we're going to take your phone calls. So, keep it here. WABC is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Don't go away. Paul McCartney takes us in to this break. What am I? This is, I don't, I know. I like silly love songs. And what's wrong with that? There is nothing wrong with that. I like to know. Cause here I go. Go, Paul. Again. Sir Paul McCartney. James, welcome aboard. Nice to see you again, sir. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Paula Abdul. Oh, yeah, I know you remember that. Straight up. Caffeinated mom, straight up with us here, Rhonda Schrock. Good morning, Rhonda. How are you out there in God's country, USA? Yes, we are. We we are under a blanket of snow again. I tell you, we've got bipolar weather here, 
And on top of that, the um, college kid is back for spring break, and that means the local hens are on high alert. I'm telling you. <laughs> the local hens are – wait a minute. <laughs> the local hens are on high alert. Yes. Everybody's making eggs. <laughs> so <Okay>. it is <laughs> – it is quite a quite a deal at breakfast time, I can tell you. I just love it. So, Rhonda, you have written an essay that will appear in the Daily BS, and tell us what's on your mind this week. Uh, well, it's 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 inspired by Tucker Carlson's um, program this week with the revealing of the footage of the January sixth. Events and I was dismayed. Um, I wasn't surprised, James, but one more time, I felt betrayed by Republican leadership. I, I'm just a little angry right now. You know, to have the turtle come out and publicly reprove him for showing the footage and saying what happened. It's like the Republicans and the Democrats leadership at least, it's like a unibrow on a hairy guy. You can't tell where the left one stops and the right one starts. And that's not what I want from my party. Uh, as a seasoned mother of four children, I have learned a little bit about fibs and the people who tell them. And one of the first things I learned was that the bigger the lie, the bigger the outrage and bluster when it was exposed. So to watch these people go apoplectic tells me how big the lies are that they have told. And, in fact, Naomi Wolf came out with an incredible article this week. Dear conservatives, I'm sorry I believed all the lies. It was amazing. Um, the other thing about people who fib and tell big ones, I learned to check the wind and see where the most bluster was coming from. And if I follow that current – Usually there stands the guilty party with a flamethrower just throwing blame around. It's deflection, it's distraction, and usually just simply reveals who's at the core of the problem. That's so. What about now? What about this? What about what Tucker did, exposed this week caught your attention? You know, there was a lot of. Um, it, it, I tell you what, it was rather stunning to see the images. Of the guy in the uh, buffalo horns, the shaman guy that they've spent so much attention. He has become the, the mainstream media face for this quote-unquote insurrection. Yeah. And to see him being escorted around, and I think Tucker's description of this was apt, like he was on a tour, a private tour. They walk him in, and then he's surrounded by Capitol Hill police at any point. You are surrounded in a circle of Capitol Hill police. They could have simply put a pair of handcuffs on this guy, let him out, and say, you are under arrest. If he w if they thought he was actually involved in some sort of an incursion. Now, what we were yeah. told afterwards was, oh, no, no, this was just a method to calm down everything. Well, are we stupid? Do we really believe that? Do we believe that you can have a guy surrounded, one guy isolated, surrounded by an entire little for a, a force of police officers, and they can't do anything to subdue him or take him down or arrest him? Instead, no, he gets to go inside this. Of course, then later the pictures we saw were him in the Senate chamber, and that's what 
and that has become the face of this. They could have stopped this in the beginning. At least that was my take. What was your take watching the footage? Well, it was classic manipulation and propaganda. And when the bare naked uh, truth was revealed, just watch it. It It put the truth to the lies. And that's what they can't stand, that exposure. I mean, it just, all you had to do was watch. You didn't have to even have any commentary. Wait, this does not match. What I am seeing with my own eyes doesn't match what I have been told. And so that, again, is classic. You, you, you aren't seeing what you're seeing. You aren't hearing what you're hearing. Up is down, you know, white is black, black is white, right is wrong. It's classic for uh, people who want to deceive really on a, well, on any scale, but it's been used historically on, on broad scales. You are too dumb. It's also insulting, really. You're too dumb to know, to figure out what actually happened. So we're going to tell you, and, and you let us do the thinking for you. And so you're, so you're writing about this. Week, and you say some of this culpability falls on the foot of Republican leadership. You expect more from your Republican leaders, like Mitch McConnell, who lambasted pretty much Tucker Carlson for daring to air this footage that had not been seen, instead of actually congratulating him that he was. What do you think about the absence of this footage being promoted? Fox is not even promoting it. I quit watching Fox on election night two years ago. I, I just think it's, well, it's deplorable. It isn't, There, you were talking earlier with Derek about journalists. There aren't very many actual journalists anymore. And the fact that a network won't show just the raw truth makes them suspect to me. And leadership, why is the leadership not comfortable with the plain truth coming out, being told, being broadcast? Why? Why that discomfort? Okay, answer the question. Answer the question. Why is it? Why do you think this is happening, Rhonda? Well, somehow they're too invested. They're uncomfortable. What what makes them uncomfortable in, in having that come out? Somehow it would be a threat to them. Why are they feeling threatened? What do they have to hide? It means they have something to hide. Those And those who were Mitch McConnell et al., they, they are not um, speaking for the conservative base. I don't know if it's power that has gotten to their heads. Or, or what? I suspect it's power, greed, um, avarice, vanity. Maybe some of those things are all components. But it's they don't care enough about about the people and about truth and about um, guiding yes, this country along its foundational principles. Now, I think I have a different view than yours a little bit. Maybe not. I'll tell you what I think is behind it, Rhonda. Okay. Trump hate, number one. Yeah, okay. And this is not a secret. It wasn't just the Democrats who hated Donald Trump. The Republican Party leadership, both in the House, Paul, uh, you know, uh, what's his name, uh, in the House. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) And in the Senate, the turtle, they hated Mm -hmm. Trump. They stabbed as many political knives in his back at the same time 
while trying to appease his base into thinking, hey, we're, we're really trying to work with him. But, but they then hated you have him. to say, why? Why did he they He was hate an him? outsider. And by the way, yeah. him running against the swamp and trying to upset yeah. the order, the established order between that both parties have set as the, as the norm in Washington, D.C., he was a disruptor. And they hated exactly. him. And he's not part of the club. That's number one. And so this was the perfect way to make sure that Donald Trump would lose power forever. And that's what they told us. Democracy almost died. We almost lost the country through this. This was terrible. The country is fragile, and Donald Trump incited it. And so that's what they told us. Now, the second part of that is something legitimate. From their point of view, these are people who do not live like you and I live. These are people who have a 20, right, they have a 24-7 security force, the leadership. They don't, mm-hmm. they live in very exclusive neighborhoods. Wait, they don't you mean have they the have same, walls? They have walls? They have walls. Whether uh-huh. it's a physical wall or a wall of privilege that keeps people out of their neighborhood because those are heavily patrolled neighborhood, you don't have the same kind of problems. Now, look. When these people all of a sudden get the people with this, and I'm using this metaphorically because they weren't, but the people with the pitchforks show up at the door, they honestly did feel threatened. They honestly did feel that their lives were in danger. They were honestly perplexed that someone would dare oppose them, and they are angry. They are angry that people entered into the space. They do feel like democracy almost died because they think they're the center of the universe of the country. They do feel that America was almost threatened at its core because they think they are America, not us. I they believe think, that. They think they run everything, and they run so much of it. Mm. But they do think that their lives are much more important than anybody's life. The outrage that they show, what has happened in Washington on January 6th, they are still angry about it. Yet, Rhonda, an hour away from your house, Mm. an hour away from where we are, an hour away from all of us, you can look and see the mayhem and the murder and the pillage that occurs every single week, week after week in America. They could care less. It's not in their neighborhood. It's not in their backyard. They're not threatened. And so there's no outrage over what regular Americans have to face. Mm. But you let somebody confront them, and it's over. The country almost ended, and we have to lock these people up to make sure that they never get out of jail again and can never do this again. And Donald Trump will never be near the White House ever again. So it's a pile of fragile egos. Yes. A bunch of fragile egos and a mountain of arrogance. And that is what Tucker Carlson is exposing by airing these parts of this footage that we have never seen. Yes. Yes, you're right. America's small caffeinated mom, Rhonda Schrock. Where can people find you, Rhonda? 
RondaSchrock.com, S-C-H-R-O-C-K. Thank you so much, James. Rhonda, thank you, my darling. We'll catch up with you soon. James Golden, A.K. Okay. Snurley. Saturday morning radio extravaganza continues. Don't go away. We'll be right back. This will be everlasting love. This will be the one I've waited for. This will be the first time anyone has loved me. The Saturday morning radio extravaganza. James, welcome aboard. Nice to see you again, sir. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. is the original. Sly and the Family Stone bring us back. I was going to play the cover with Mary J, but we'll do that another time. Always love Sly. Another child grows up to be somebody you just love to burn Let's go back to the telephone, shall we? Tony in Clifton, New Jersey, you are up next. How are you, Tony? Hi, James. What an amazing show. I love your show. Um, I cannot tell you what quality speakers and staff you have. It's amazing. So just to get to my point, uh, Derek and also your last speaker really – came to point on my feelings about the January 6th hearings in Tucker. And I see the whole present, you know, the whole data and information and footage in two ways. One with respect to the client, the clients and the witness, you know, the people who are being accused. That's one piece of it in the lawyers and the court system. And the other piece that I really would love Tucker, I he doesn't have time, but there's a whole forensic videology piece of it that shows what taking out all the people, just looking at how the Capitol was protected that day, um, not the protesters, but just how the Capitol was set up versus any other day. I'd love to see that because that's something that uh, Speaker McCarthy and his team can really analyze once somebody does it. It's almost like a video um, forensic person, you know, because the Capitol should have been, from my perspective, always kept safe. Um, And I've studied all the things that happened there. So I think Tucker can add that perspective to show if there was any foul play. If Because what it looks like every day, we don't know. We don't work there. But people who are familiar with the Capitol, like Derek, is trying to allude to that, that that there's just so much that goes on there every day. And everything is taped. And it's a lot for Tucker. So maybe he needs like a video forensic person. Because there is a sense that we need to keep the Capitol safe. Absolutely. um, And I don't see why it was all open. You know, and we will way. ask Tucker about that when Tuck, Tucker's going to join us this week coming up, and we will and be he's sure to amazing. ask. Yeah, he is amazing, and he's got a lot of courage for doing what he's doing. Look, Tucker had to know he was going to take a lot of heat. As soon as Kevin McCarthy said, "Hey, we're going to give these tapes to Tucker to take a look at," boy, they started howling. Then 
in the mainstream yeah. press. Now, the curious yeah. thing is that they're not doing their own stories on this. They're just bashing Tucker to the extent possible. Right. Right. But no one's talking about, hey, this is what we, how come we didn't see this? Gee, this right. is new. Why didn't we see this before? So, Tony, thank right. you so much. I so appreciate you, and thank you for calling. Love you. Thank you, Tony. Rick in Elmwood Park. How are you, Rick? Doing good, James. Yourself? Doing well. In honor of the massive global warming snow we had here in New Jersey this morning, I'm going to give you the choice of which global warming lie or lies you'd like me to debunk. The polar bears, the hurricanes, the ice melting in Antarctica, you pick. The polar bears. The polar bears. Let's do the polar bears. The polar bear population isn't going extinct. It's been booming since the 1960s. It's up to about 31,000. And there's so many they had to remove the ban on polar bear hunting years ago. You can go book a trip online right now. The polar bears, the polar bears, they're drowning in the ocean because they don't have enough to eat. And they get on ice floats and they float out in the middle of the sea. The poor polar bears, they're trapped. And then they get out on the ice floats and we don't know what happens to them. They die. Daddy, the polar bears, save the polar bears, the polar bears. Polar bears can swim for nine days, ten days straight for 425 miles. The the polar bears, they Thank you, Rick. I love the way you debunked this. Thank you, Rick. Appreciate the call. Let's go to Robert in Suffolk County. Robert, how are you? Okay. Hi, James. Hey, Robert. I have I have a solution for the fentanyl and related problems. Yes. I think this is going to work because a similar thing happened in the past, and it, it did work. Tell us the solution. Right to it. What's the solution? The solution would be for Congress to reschedule fentanyl, xylene, and the other drug as Schedule One substances mm-hmm, that would mm-hmm. be illegal for manufacturers like Big Pharma worldwide, in fact, to not manufacture, distribute, sell, it can't be dispensed by pharmacies, and prescriptions can't be written for them. Robert, I hate to Congress break it to you. Congress can do this. Robert, Congress it wouldn't stop it. Robert, it's already illegal to bring the fentanyl that is coming across, especially the southern border of the United States, into the country. And it is not coming from here. We know where it's coming from, the country that cannot be mentioned. And they're not stopping. Tom, thank you for the call, Robert. But And I have something else. Let me, before we go to Tom, uh, thank you, Robert. I have a question for, uh, I'll, I'll just, I'm going to ask you, Christian. You're young, okay? Have you studied this in history? Do you, realize, do you remember, has anyone ever taught you the period of time that China had a problem with, the, with opioids? 
Um, no, but I do, I did do, because I do like watching a few documentaries um, here and there. Um, I do know that, uh, you know, opioids were a huge issue back in the day. Um, and, you know, that was... How did uh, China stop it? How did China stop the drug problem? Honestly, they I, had? I don't know, but I would okay. love to find out, and, uh, and I'll look right. into it, actually. It's interesting. Okay. Thank you. Scott? I I know that the... The British were the ones that introduced uh-huh, the opium, uh-huh. but I don't know what they did to stop uh-huh. it. Okay, I'll tell you what they did to stop it. They killed the drug users, and the, they killed the drug users. That's what they did. They said, we're not going to allow this. Now, the commies, we can't do that here. Now, when Philippines, and the Philippines, when Duarte took over as president, one of the first things Duarte said is, we're going to start Duterte. killing Duterte. Duterte. We're going to start killing the drug users. We're going to give them a chance to straighten out, but if they don't straighten out, we're going to kill them because they're a plague on society. And we're going to kill the drug dealers. We're going to kill them. We're not going to put up with We're going to kill them. Now, all of us in America, I realize what I'm what saying. What happened with that, by the way? Because uh, after he said ha- that, I never heard a follow-up. What happened was the drug use stopped in many cases, and people got scared. And a lot of the drug rampant drug dealing went down. Now, I'm going to just say this, and I don't, look, I am not in support of wholesale murder. Let me just give that disclaimer up front. But I'm just saying, this is where laws come into it. There are certain countries that you know if you go into that country and you are peddling drugs, you know what happens to you. If they find you, they take you to jail. If you are accused, they don't care who you are, what country you come from, off with your head. You know which countries I'm talking about. Brittany Griner found out about that. And if you go to, like, Saudi Arabia, if you go to certain countries in, in even in Asia, and you are caught trafficking drugs, there is a zero tolerance. You will lose your life. Isn't there, wasn't there um, a time where they would actually chop people's hands off if they would steal and stuff like that? The, you're talking about Sharia law that is practiced in some countries. It wasn't a time. The time is still now. If you go to Saudi Arabia and you're convicted of certain crimes, not just Saudi Arabia, if you go to any of the hardline Islamic countries, and I mean hardline where Sharia is practiced, and you get caught in certain offenses, there are mandatory consequences, including losing your limbs, including losing your life. Now, we in the Western world, we, 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 we shake our heads and we say, those primitive people, they are so backwards. Oh, goodness me. They're terrible. But you know what they don't have in those countries? They don't have the kind of rampant drug use they don't, that we have here in the United States. They don't have the crime issues that we have here in the United States. Because the criminals know if I do this and get caught, there's only one way out, and it's not pleasant. we got to go to a break. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley. I Again, do not mistake what I'm saying for me advocating this here because the argument is a lot more nuanced than that. I'm just giving you the big bullet points. But there is something to be said for a very stringent enforcement of law. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley. 
WABC is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Coming back to you and more of your calls right after this. This is the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Let's go out in a James Golden, a.k.a. Sterling, with you here. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. How are you, Tom? Uh, you're talking about Tom from Woodbridge? That's right. Okay, uh, for a minute there, I wasn't sure if it was on the air. All right, uh, so, yeah, just the uh, before I get to my main comment, once again, uh, for people who are uninitiated, if you want to get a plenary, a full understanding of how we got into the mess with regard to CRT, uh, the homosexual propaganda uh, being uh, inculcated in our school children, uh, the immigration disaster, everything you need to know about the left and the ideologies that literally brought this country to its knees, pick up a copy of The Culture of Critique by Dr. Kevin McDonald. Hello, hello, hello. No, we're not doing this. And I said that to you last time. I'm not doing this. We are not doing this. You know, I get, and, and this one may not be the one that I'm thinking of, but I get these guys that want to promote books, and some of the books that people promote are not things that I would endorse. So we're not going to do that. I'm not doing it. I'm sorry. And if yours wasn't, I'm sorry. And you held a whole long time. I wanted you to get right to your point. But I'm not doing that anymore. We had a guy that was coming on this program promoting Nazi crap. I'm not doing neo-Nazi stuff. I'm not doing it. I haven't read these books. They haven't, and, and if I don't have a chance to read it, nope, not going to do it. Tim in San Diego, thank you for waiting. You're up next. Oh, uh, hey. I'm not going to promote a book, but I will promote a musician that I think you should be aware of before I get to my main point. Okay. Uh, you may have heard of him. His name is Steve Morse, and he is a uh, a wonder of a guitarist. Um, I've spoken to you in the past about Al Miola and Paco de Lucia yes. and stuff. But anyway, yeah. Um, Steve played with those guys as well. He's uh, one, of, one of the more uh, eclectic musicians you'll ever. He'll go from hard rock. For instance, he played with Deep Purple for the last 15 years. But he also has done, you know, country stuff, all, all sorts of stuff over the years. I love stuff. Deep Purple. We haven't played any Deep Purple yet. You know, who <laughs> I was listening to a few. You know, who I was listening to. I, I have. I was just in the mood. You know, who I was listening What's to that? a few weeks ago. I was just in the moody blues mood, and I just pulled out some oh, moody really? blues. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I saw. I saw the Moody's uh, back at the Garden in New York. Uh, back in, I think, 1980 or so. And uh, they had a guy playing keyboards with them called Patrick Moraz. It's another guy you should listen to if you get a chance. And, and there you go. That's Zeppelin. This is Steve? Uh, yeah, Steve. 
Steve doing a, a bunch of covers live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you're watching them right now. This is impressive stuff. <laughs> Love them. Okay, what was your point? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, you, just real quick. Um, so anyway, I I read. I remember reading years ago that that um, the, the the Roosevelt fortune, um, Franklin Roosevelt's family, um, they they made a lot of money out of the opium wars or during that opium period. I'm not sure if that's true. I just I read that in passing years ago, and I, I might be starting rumors. But um, do you know anything? Have you heard anything about that? Or read I have not, that? and that's really interesting. Because I'll, I'll look into that. You, we all know this, the Kennedy family and how they made their money. But exactly. interesting. That's the first thing I thought of. Yeah, the bootleg thing and, and all that. Oh, and, and one more thing, and I'll let you go. Years ago, I called Rush, and I, I referred to you as a, as the great clarifier of thoughts as I was waiting. You were sort of you know, prepping me to go on. And when I mentioned that to Rush, he said, yes, we have him in the back uh, boiling butter. He's, 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 he is the great clarifier. Right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I miss him every day. His house, uh, uh, Mrs. Lumo just sold the house to uh, Robert Lauder for $155 million. A bit of a windfall there, I'd say. <sighs> nice money if you can get it. Yep, <laughs> and she got it. It's all good. It's all good. Thank you for the call. Appreciate that, Tim, so much. Let us go to Ralph very quickly in New Rochelle. Good morning, Mr. Golden. Good morning. How are you, sir? I want to just mention that one of your previous callers was speaking about you know, our society and how you aspire to do better when you see someone you know, with the house on the hill and how some of these other people have decided they want to tear down that house. If you look back at the post-World War I Europeans, the socialists after World War I came here and got into our government. Post-World War II, the socialists over here got into our universities. There's also socialism in Italy that infiltrated the Catholic Church, and this all started in Europe, and they're trying to bring that society here into America to you know, install that socialist system here. And if you want to look at a, um, a YouTube video that explains it in more detail, there's a, a, a video called A Wolf in Sheep's Clothing. And I'm going to leave it there, and I'm going to stop all these kind of like I said before. I haven't checked it out. And so before we do all this stuff, but I have socialist stuff that may be harmless, so we'll see. But I appreciate that, Ralph, very much. Uh, let us go to... Uh, Sandra, Sandra. Oh, good morning, James. Um, you know, I was, I, I'm so grateful that, um, call Tucker, you know, showed the footage, but I, but last night he didn't show it. And I, I, I had a feeling that was going to happen because maybe he had pressure from, uh, you know, Murdoch and all those people. Or maybe so he just I, had something else scheduled. Look. We're going to have, as I said, we're, uh, Sandra, I'm, I'm not going to read anything into that just yet. But we'll have Tucker on this week, or Tucker's going to join us on the Boston Early's Rush Hour program this week. And we will um, ask Tucker about it and also ask, we, we will ask him about the fallout. I'll just ask him straight up what kind of fallout have you been getting from this? Can you, can you ask him another 
What, what's the question, the really quickly? Question. What question? Right. He says he pa he passionately hates Trump. Maybe he doesn't like him, but I'm sure he likes his his policies. I don't know why that was said. I, I read okay. it a few times on on. Yeah. What does he think about Trump's policies? Okay, I'll ask that. Okay, thank you, Sandra. Appreciate the call so much. We are so quickly running out of time. Let's see. Uh, hmm, San Margaret, Margaret and Ardsley, we have like less than a minute. I just want you to nail a point. Uh, my point, Bo, is that, you know, with the, the media has always been um, pretty good with um, reporting people who have been attacked on, for needless reasons, people, kids who have been caught in crossfire, people who are getting hurt in the streets every single day. And yet our governor, what does she pick up as a, as a clause? Um, the abortion pill from Walgreens. Yep. Governor Hochul's another one, along with Gazim Newsom out there in California, that wants to have a war with Walgreens for not dispensing abortion pills in certain states. I want to ask a question. Where were you when, they, when drug companies were being told not to give out hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin? How come you didn't say anything about it then, guys? Hey. James Golden, a.k.a. Stoney. It's been such a delight and pleasure. Best staff in radio. Thank you. Staff, Christian, Scott, and my baby. Thank Camilla. you. Thank you. We'll see you all next week, folks. And Monday, 4 o'clock, be here. May God bless and protect each and every single one of you and your families. Thank you for listening. It is such a delight, and I am in gratitude of you for being here. Thank you. We'll see you on Monday at 4. Have a great weekend. Bye.